I'm very much hoping that this will be of um, some help uh, to someone, maybe. Um, but, but let me give you just a little sketch uh, of, of, of my life. We have uh, been in ministry, or I've been in ministry, for 26 years. Uh, 25 of those years, Lulu and I have been married. Um, in 1988, which is, what, 19 years ago, we planted uh, Riverside Vineyard Church here, and we did that uh, absolutely full of vigor and energy, um, just uh, brimming with a vision to, to plant a church that would plant churches. That was right at the heart uh, of the vision that we, we started with. And I'd have to say we had absolutely no idea what it would cost us. We, uh, we set sail. Um, um, and um, we got off the plane uh, from Anaheim, where we had done an internship uh, to prepare us for church planting, and we, we got off the plane pretty well running, and we were pumped. You know, we really wanted to get on and to do this thing, and God was very gracious to us. Um, we got some churches planted, uh, but we also experienced uh, some real setbacks um, along the way, uh, to the extent that, um, that I personally was in a very bad way uh, leading up to a sabbatical that we took uh, five years ago. Um, I had well and truly hit the buffers. I don't know how else to describe it. I had certainly hit the buffers emotionally, and I think to a certain extent mentally and uh, physically and, and maybe spiritually as well. Um, I knew I was in trouble when we got back from sabbatical, and I can remember the feeling of pressure <laughs> that I felt, just the pressure of having to re-engage again with, uh, with church life and with responsibilities and so on. And I also remember the expectations. I'm not sure that they were expectations that were really coming from people, legitimate ones, but I, I perceived these expectations. You know, here you are, you've been away for several months. Obviously, you're coming back, you know, full of revelation from God, fresh vision, you know, this and this and this is going to happen. And all I knew is that I had come back with nothing nothing with regard to that. The only thing I knew is that the sabbatical hadn't been long enough. And so it, it was with this kind of dread, sense of dread, that um, we, we attempted to, to re-engage. And uh, I, I certainly was feeling as though I was very much just still in survival mode, you know, hanging on by my fingernails, that sort of thing. And I would have to say that, that also... Looking back on that time, from my perspective, there was a wholly inadequate um, communication of how I was feeling. It just didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I hold up my hand for, for that. Now, the truth is, I think, that, you know, things had been building up for, for a long time, for, for many years. It, it wasn't something that just, you know, happened very quickly and was suddenly there in my life. I mean, obviously, starting with the absolutely normal stresses and strains of uh, church planting, and, uh, you know, I just bounced back. I mean, as one does, that's what, you, that's what you do. But what I noticed is that after about 10 years, I wasn't bouncing. You know, I wasn't bouncing back anyway. I might have been, you know, bouncing off the walls, but I certainly wasn't 
bouncing back in the way that I had. And um, I mean, some of the symptoms, just to sort of flesh this out a little bit for you, that, that, that I found myself experiencing were things like I found myself just increasingly overwhelmed by circumstances, just just this increasing weight of what I perceived as my responsibilities and of um, you know, various commitments that I had. I found myself um, increasingly irritable at home with uh, various flare-ups into, into anger over, over the trivialist, uh, you know, trivial things at home. And so there were consequently you know, various bits of fallout for Lulu and for Chloe and Michael at, at, at home. I remember Lulu saying at, at, at one point, you know, your face just, just says it. I mean, your face just says you're irritable, you know, you're angry, you're, um, it, it's just showing it. And so, you know, the family during these times would kind of tiptoe around dad, you know, walking on eggshells, that whole thing, not a great environment back in the, back in the home. At the same time... Um, uh, it, it felt a little bit as though somebody had just pulled the plug on my energy levels. My, just the sense of personal kind of strength and um, motivation particularly and, and any, any inspiration had just taken a nosedive in, in my life. The little bit of energy that I felt that I did have was all being channeled into trying to kind of manage my you know, rather depressive moods. Um, and a lot of the time, I, I just really felt a failure. I mean, at times I would feel such a failure, uh, full of self-criticism. I'm trying to crack the whip, you know, to G myself up, but uh, I wasn't Ging up at all in response to that. Um, I'd lost a lot of uh, confidence, just self-confidence in uh, what I was doing. And uh, I was wanting to withdraw from, you know, relationships and, and so on. I wasn't sleeping well. It, uh, often I wasn't uh, feeling all that well. And um, any sort of feel-good factor had pretty well gone uh, from, from my life. It wasn't, I, I mean, it, it's not an overstatement to say I wasn't enjoying life um, very much. I was often anxious. And uh, this culminated finally in, a, in one, one night in a, in a pretty full-blown um, and scary panic attack where um, in the middle of the night I just suddenly became aware, woke up or whatever and um, my heart rate, rate had just you know, gone through the ceiling. Um, I, I was just conscious uh, of, of a, a tangible fear just gripping me. I was bathed in sweat and then for a period of time following that my body just shut down. <laughs> um, just like holding up its hand and saying, you know, I've had enough. Um, and uh, that kind of got my attention. Um, I'd have to say now, you know, even, even sort of recounting this and sort of when I was writing this down, it's, it's really quite hard for me to believe that this happened. I, don't, um, I, I think when you, you know, you go on a journey sometimes and you come to a certain extent out the, out the other side, or you're, you've at least processed some things, you know, sort of amnesia sets in. You know, we have a selective memory as, as to what, as what actually went on. And I sometimes now, I look at this stuff and I say, Did that, was that really how I was feeling? Did, was it really like that? But, you know, thanks for the, to the truthfulness of my wife and, uh, and the fact of journaling, very, very important. You know, you go back and you see, yeah, this is exactly exactly how, 
how it was. And um, one of the things that I would say, just, just in introducing this, is that, is that with hindsight, I think one of my overriding feelings is that I just let things go on for too long. And I guess if there was any message that uh, I was wanting to, you know, share and to offer, it was that, you know, things just don't need to go on that long before we take action and, um, you know, step out in an appropriate way. I mean, my typical response was to, you know, put the head down, battle on, um, and, uh, you know, just try to, try to keep pressing on, stuff my feelings, that kind of thing, and uh, in the process make everyone, everyone's life a misery, not only my own, but those, are, those around me. Um, one of, the, one of the, the, the positive decisions that came out of our sabbatical time was that um, I came to the realize that, realization that I needed some fresh input. I mean, there might have been a lot of things that were not going all that well, but I certainly began to realize I need to do something about getting some fresh uh, input uh, into my life. And, uh, you know, actually my story is, is not just about depression, but it's also about re-engaging with growth, of getting myself, of finding a way of really getting on a kind of healthy learning curve again, which, you know, had a, had a sort of a more holistic uh, effect of helping me. And it was through that sort of thinking and, 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 and understanding that I needed to, to get some fresh input that... Um, that the course of study at Fuller be, began and, um, and then I came in touch with uh, the course that Arch teaches uh, there, which uh, you know, proved for me to be a, a lifesaver, really. Now, for me, one of the, um, the, the profound parts of, of moving forward in my own personal health was, was getting some understanding. I mean, that was just so helpful to me. Getting some understanding, getting my mind working, in a way that would, I, I felt as though I was beginning to get a handle on what I was experiencing and, and what was going on. And I, I hope that many of you are sort of feeling a, a similar thing o- over these days, getting some understanding. Our minds are so important, I think, in, in, in coming to terms with the process that we, uh, we're all on to a, to a certain extent. And understanding for me, yes, I mean, a certain, a certain amount of it was about depression, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was absolute revelation to me, some of the things that Arch has been talking about this morning, the, the, the widespread nature of depression, the very different sorts of depressions that there are, certain types of depression that, because of, because of their nature, you know, pretty well everyone is going to experience at some point in their life because they have to do with the circumstances of life, those sorts of... All of that was a huge revelation to me and, and, and also, um, uh, in many ways, a great relief, uh, I think. Um, understanding, um, f- for example, that, uh, you know, as, well, I guess as I, as I listened and I read and I interacted with that material... Um, some things from my own experience began to make a little more sense. I mean, to discover, for example, that there, was, uh, there is a type of depression which is the body's natural response to dealing with loss in life. 
I mean, that was a huge thing for me. I mean, that began, when I began to, to realize that, you know, that, that's one of the ways that our body uh, responds to certain events in life and build up in life, it was strangely freeing. I mean, that, that in itself just got me onto a place where I was beginning to, to feel as though there was some, some way forward. You know, this is what Arch is calling reactive depression or psychological depression, I think he also called it this morning. And, um, you know, for me, one of the really valuable exercises uh, was identifying, trying to, to spend some time identifying what my core losses in life were. If, if loss leads to a certain type of depression, what were the particular losses in my life that were triggering, you know, all of these kind of symptoms that I've kind of shared with you and uh, was, was impacting my life? That was a very helpful exercise. Let me, let me just uh, share one or two with you of my core losses to give you a bit of an idea what, what was going on with me. Now, I, I, I knew and, and I know as a, as a person that I'm wired to achieve things. It's just, you know, one of the ways that, that, that I am. Um, it's very important to me that, uh, you know, things get achieved. Um, and so I love my goals and I love tasks that can be accomplished, that sort of, sort of thing. And I'd have to say it's pretty easy for me to function, you know, function reasonably well when, when things are being achieved. Just so happens that church planting, while giving a tremendous sense of achievement, also contains with it significant loss. And uh, in fact, I'm, I'm sure many of you will, will, will appreciate this, but, but leadership generally, not just church planting, but leadership generally is a, is a, is a high-loss enterprise. I mean, you know, I think Arch was talking about this this morning, and, and certainly in my business, I'm constantly dealing with loss. It's not the only thing. I'm dealing with, but it's one of the things that, uh, that I have to deal with. And in particular, with regards to church planting, it, it was the loss of people and of leaders and of friends um, who went off to plant churches. And after about 13 of these, I found a kind of a, a weariness, a kind of a, a numbness um, just, just gripping me. I mean, I, I, becoming dysfunctional. I mean, just not being able to, to function at all, at all well. I, I remember um, um, one time when it felt like in our church as though the, the church was in a state of kind of, you know, perpetual mourning <laughs> because, you know, every year they're sort of saying goodbye to, to, to friends and, and so on in, in that way. I remember on another occasion during those years that um, we, we gathered our leaders together. It was down at the old centre in, uh, in Teddington, gathered our leaders together for, for a morning and... Uh, you know, all of th this had been coming onto the screen of uh, realizing, gosh, you know, the church is actually grieving about all this loss that's taking place. And so, so I said, um, you know, let's, let's just spend some time to talk about this. Tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> and there was this barrage of stuff that came. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a real bloodletting exercise. You know, people just told it, you know, all this sort of pain and, you know, sense of loss. I mean, it was pretty ugly, really. And, uh, but it was, I think it was healthy, actually. And I, I can remember after a while going around and hearing all this stuff. I said, that's enough. You know, we've heard enough of this. We, uh, we absolutely need to move on. I've, you know, got the message. I feel the same way as you. You know, if we stick together, we can pull through this kind of thing. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think that's, that, that, that really has been, that, that was certainly a factor in, uh, in some of the losses that I was experiencing over a period of, of years. And at the same time, I, I, I kind of felt caught to a certain extent because, I mean, absolutely clearly, this is part of our vision, this is part of my passion. You know, I can't just walk away from it, and yet at the same time, um, you know, and, and therefore maybe you can't let people know that you're hurting too much about this because it might somehow rob the vision of what God has called us to do. So just keep smiling and, you know, keep pressing on and, and uh, that will be fine. Now, for me in this, there was also an associated loss, which I hadn't kind of, you know, taken the time to reflect on or, or to think about. But an associated loss with, um, with the church planting that was going on, it, it was, you see, not only for, for me um, a matter of losing friends and colleagues, which in itself was hugely significant, but what I also came to realise is that I felt as though I was losing part of the vision and the dream for Riverside Vineyard and for things that were, were happening or, or that we, we hoped would happen here. Because the people who went played such an integral part in building what was happening here. And uh, when we gave away, we no longer had the, the same resources here to push things forward in, in the same way. And sometimes it did feel as though we were taking you know, two steps forward and two back. And that, that became a kind of... a exhausting sort of feeling, a fatiguing feeling. Because it was happening every year, I, I, I began to feel trapped. Now, I, I don't do well at the best of times in confined spaces, and, and this feeling of beginning to feel trapped in my life as a whole, you know, in feeling stuck, and I, I was feeling trapped because at, at, at the bottom of it, I felt I, I couldn't see any way that things were going to change. I just couldn't see think how things would change. This was our passion. This was our vision to plant churches. But did that also mean, would that also mean that we would have to give up or not realize aspects of our vision for, for Riverside? And that was the kind of, the, 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 the sort of thing that was gutting me in many ways at, at, at this time. Um, and I found myself beginning to spiral down emotionally as feeling exhausted and, and so on. And feeling, feeling a, a, a loss of hope, I think that's what it was, a, a loss of hope. I mean, feeling hopeless is a, hopelessness is a horrible thing. I, think, I mean, I think the Bible would talk about it in terms of losing heart. When we lose heart about something, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it, it's a crippling thing. It's a devastating thing. And, uh, you know, these feelings began to compound in me over quite a number of years. See, it, it's, not as, it's not just as though in my case there was a loss and, you know, you gradually come to terms with that. What seemed to be going on is that there was a kind of a cumulative effect of things were building because there wasn't an appropriate outlet or I hadn't found an appropriate outlet to deal with what I was feeling and what I was experiencing. So this compounding effect is cumulative uh, uh, effect. Things seemed to be uh, getting magnified, and I know that as, as the years went by, my symptoms, as it were, what I was experiencing, were getting worse. 
um, I, I could certainly register that. And, uh, you know, pretty soon I found that even small unrelated disappointments in life, you know, something as simple as getting a sore throat or something like that, would have a disproportionate effect on, on how, you, you know, on how I would react. Whoa, <laughs> you know, some, these are all indicators. And I would, I would find myself just sinking uh, emotionally. Again, see, loss. It's all coming from a sense of loss and associated losses that I was kind of tapping into. Um, to give you another example, another core loss uh, for, for me, now, you know, back in the past, I'm, I'm glad to say, um, and some of you will find this very hard to understand, but I was desperately, desperately missing Australia. Um, um, you know, and, and actually, I'd been here at that stage for about 25 years, and extraordinarily, things were getting worse. The sense of loss was getting worse rather than better. You know, you expect a little bit of homesickness or something like that in the first few months, first six months. But actually, I'd never experienced anything like that. But this, this stuff later on, 20 years down the, the track or something, was, uh, what, what was, was desperate. And, you know, not even the numerous sporting victories did anything to help that. <laughs> just, uh, just made things worse. I mean, I, I was missing, truth is, I was missing, uh, missing family back there. I, I don't know, I, I, it, it was sort of um, evocative things almost. I was missing, you know, sights and smells and sounds, wide open spaces, the ocean, the bush, all of, all of that sort of thing that were a part of my upbringing. And all I know is that it was tapping into something, you know, very deep, very deep in me. Um, people often ask, you know, just ask a simple question, like, well, why didn't you go back? And, well, it's not that simple. We felt we were called to be here. That was the determining, the, the determining factor for, for our, our lives. And, but, but associated in those days with the way that I perceived my call was, to a certain extent, I felt trapped. <laughs> Again, by it. You know, trapped by God, you know, in, the, in, in this place. I, I remember one winter, you know, trying to deal with this this whole sort of loss of Australia thing. I remember I spent the best part of one winter wrapping a blanket around me in the evenings and sitting in front of one of those, you know, special bright lights to, to work away at the kind of the SAD syndrome, the seasonal affective disorder. And I've I, I got to say, it felt good, but I think it probably had as much to do with the big glass of red wine I also had in my hand <laughs> as with all of this, you know, light that's coming towards me. Which, was, uh, which was, was good. But, but there was a sense, again, didn't have a full understanding of that, but at times I, I knew it was, it was, I would just find myself, you know, going down the plug hole emotionally and feeling at times incredibly low and, uh, and sad. And, and, then, and then, you know, following these little bouts that would, would, would happen, um, the, the personal recriminations would start. Oh, for goodness sake, pull yourself together. <laughs> you know, how pathetic, you know, to be, you know, thinking these things, feeling these things. That, that, that's the way my mind was, was working. And I would have to say that for me, I mean, one of the, the huge puzzles for me in thinking about all of this stuff and what was going on in my life was, was this, was how could I have so much in life? How could I have a beautiful wife, great kids, a fantastic church, wonderful friends, 
be traveling, you know, all over the place, have a great education, you know, all have so much and still at times feel so bad, feel so, so debilitated by, by things. And, and for me, that was a, just a real difficult thing to, um, to try and get my head around. I mean, I, Arch has been talking a little bit about, you know, the first half of our life and the second half of our life. And I remember a conversation many years ago I had with John Wimber when I think this sort of stuff was beginning in me. I must have been about 40 or something like that. And just saying, John, you know, do you, do you have any wisdom on, on this? And I remember him just sort of chuckling and, and saying, he said, I, I don't know if I have any wisdom on it, but all I know is that... that as I watch people, pretty well everyone I know, everyone goes through this. Everyone comes to a stage in their life where they want to reassess what is going on, where there is some, some very, um, 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 what would be the word, sort of dissatisfaction rising in, in, in people's experience and, and wanting to you know, think about that. And, you know, whether you call it a midlife crisis or whether you call it about getting disillusioned with success, as Arch has been saying, and wanted to, wanting to find something that is more significant in your life. I, I don't know, but I remember him saying, you know, it's, it's pretty well there that, that everybody, from his observation, has to, has to, has to confront that, has to, has to deal with that. And it happens at different times for different people, and, and maybe it happens more than once. In, uh, in various people's lives. But, but again, my initial response to this whole thing was just, you know, head down, keep going, keep quiet, was basically my response. Well, um, for, for me, what, what really, I think, came out of this process of interacting with this material and uh, talking with, with people was that I realized that I had some decisions to make and some actions to take. I think that's what it came down to. And, you know, they reckon, don't they, if, if, if real change is going to take place, that you have to get to that point where the dissatisfaction that you feel with your life becomes stronger than just living your life the way that it is. You've got, to, you know, that dissatisfaction has got to rise up for you to actually do some, really do something uh, uh, about it. I remember Arch, I don't know if he's here actually, but uh, I remember him at, uh, I remember you at Fuller, Arch, um, using this analogy, which I absolutely relate to, um, related to, and was, you were talking about getting a, a plane out of, a, out of a spin. And, you know, I absolutely knew that my life felt as though it was in a spin, and I knew which direction I was going. I was headed earthward, and um, and, and evidently, what, what one does when a plane is in a spin when you're in, in that situation is that initially, you take your hands completely off the controls. I mean, the worst thing that you can do, evidently, is to start fighting with the controls. To take your hands completely off the controls and then at the appropriate time, to firmly take control again. Take the controls. And to... And, and to um, to take hold of what is before you. And, you know, for, for me, I, I think I'd come to realize that a choice confronted me, a real choice confronted me, if, if you know, in terms of my life and, and what I wanted it to be and how I wanted the rest of it to be. 
And the choice was basically between either a slow death on the one hand, or Arch might say an actually an accelerated death, but a slow death in, in, in the sense of inching along to retirement, just devoid of motivation, just you know, barely alive, survival mode, that whole thing, contributing very little, that was one option, or making a choice for some deep personal change in my life. Taking responsibility, again, for, um, you know, for my actions and, and for, for my thoughts, for my attitudes, coming back to, to some of that, being prepared to take some risks again, to put myself into some situations where I didn't feel very comfortable. Um, uh, really recommitting was a big one for me to, to being a lifelong learner, to not just you know, getting to a certain point of my, my life and just kind of letting it taper off, but totally recommitting to being a lifelong learner again. Surrendering my, my need to, you know, always be in control, I think, was another one. And, and a final one was and getting some help. Getting some help. Owning up to the fact that I needed. I needed that. And I'd have to say that I didn't find any of this at all easy. I mean, I found it agony at times. I found, I mean, the last thing that I wanted to do was spend time, you know, looking at these things and trying to address how I was feeling and what I was experiencing and... You know, all, all of this sort of thing. But, you know, for me, the most powerful motivation that rose in my life was my family. My family. Because it's a huge wake-up call for me when I realized that because of the way that I was at that time, I could pass on my, onto my son some tendencies towards depression and I could pass on to my daughter some distorted views of masculinity. And I tell you, I tell you, when that began to sink into me, it was enough for me to really begin to do something radical. In contrast, uh, you know, if I could get myself sorted with God's help, um, I could build some real resilience and some real health into my children. I could, I could play my part in that process. It doesn't all come from me, obviously. But I could play my, my part in, in, that, in that process. And as I say, I mean, in terms of motivation for change, that was, that was enough for me when I saw the effect that I could potentially have and probably was having on, on my family. And I can remember saying, you know, whatever it takes, you know, God being my helper and whoever else is there to help, you know, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with this. And I'm going to input into my children something that is real, you know, without any pretense about these things that go on in our lives, but also something which is, which is whole. And so I guess, you know, I guess for me, I, I, I knew that I had to act. Always remember Dave Parker, I don't know if you've heard him talk about when he was setting up their church in um, wherever it is, in the desert, um, you know, and he was wondering about evangelism and this whole thing, and he had this conversation with God, you know, what sort of church do you want us to be? You know, this sort of evangelism or that sort of evangelism? And he felt he heard God say, just do something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's kind of uh, a little bit what, uh, what I felt at this time. I knew I had to do something. I had to be active, I had to be active. And these, just in, just in closing, I mean, these were just sort of three important kind of actions uh, for, for me. 
Um, the, the first was that, that I have had to begin to learn what it is to grieve. If, 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 if life is to do with loss, if, if loss is, if, if you cannot avoid that in life, then my understanding is that the only thing to do with loss is to grieve it appropriately. Appropriately, And I've got to say, you see, my, one of my problems is that I'm a frightful internalizer. I will just internalize things. And I, I never really realized that um, just thinking about things, just keeping things in there is dangerous to your health. I mean, and I had to begin a journey of really learning how to more adequately express um, my feelings, what, was, what, what I was feeling, rather than just kind of sucking it up, you know, internalizing it over and over again. I had to learn to, to talk things out, you know, not just for my sake, I realized, but also for the people around me and for their sanity and uh, for, for, for their, for, for their well, well-being. And so I'm, I'm learning, like Arch was, was saying this morning, I'm learning to to let go of losses. I'm learning even to celebrate losses. Might sound almost ironic, but, but yes, learning to, to celebrate, to, to realize that there's a time for things. And, you know, there are all kinds of positive ways that God can help us to see what's going on in our lives. And I really want to say this, because I want to come back to what I was saying about church planting, because I would hate for you to feel that that was the end of the story. You see... Planting churches doesn't have to be a debilitating experience. I, I know, we all know that, that planting churches, you know, costs. But, but anyone who's called into that, we're more than willing for that. We want to hold up our hands for that. That's, all, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to be involved in. But what I'm realizing is that the, the church planting also just requires proper emotional goodbyes and it also requires recovery time. And, um, and, and you know, I'm somebody, I still feel as passionate as, as ever about planting many more churches, many more churches. And, uh, you know, God being our helper, that's, that's absolutely what, what we want to do. But I now realize that there's a way of managing this so that in the process, we just don't totally lose our joy. We don't totally lose a sense of hope with what God is, is doing. So learning, learning to let go, learning, learning to grieve. Uh, a second action for me is, um, well, let me just say it like this. I've, I've learned to see my GP as my ally. And I mean, if I would have any advice, and I've got to stay off teaching, uh, absolutely, I'm just telling my story, I just say, just make sure that you, you have a good GP and just don't give up till you, till you have the right kind of expertise that you need in your life. Don't just push it, you know, push it away to, uh, to, to the side. I remember, Arch, you, you wrote to me on one occasion, I was processing some of this stuff, and, and you wrote, wrote this, it, it, I think it just speaks for itself. Your, your words were, life is too short and precious to have a minor deficiency in your biochemistry sabotage a rich life of service. You know, and just again, liberating, 
liberating. And, you know, as I said earlier on, for me, you know, I just let things go on for too long. And, you know, that's one of the things I'd say to those of you and you're still in the first half of your life, certainly. You know, just don't let things go on so long. And uh, we're for it. And the final thing, final action to share is, you know, I'm making plans again. I'm making plans again. As God put me back on my feet, just emotionally through a whole lot of processing, you know, in my mind and just, just a whole range of different levels, you know, I just began to realize that I had an awful lot more that I wanted to give. And uh, energy began to come back to me, purpose, new goals, new plans, fresh vision, new interests, just enjoying life. I wasn't just kind of focused on the finishing line. Um, You know, I was was also focused on just, you know, living life now and enjoying what God had for us at the moment. And there was a a kind of a restoration of confidence that began to to flow into my life. I guess in many ways it's faith. God was, was putting faith back in, into my life. And it was a faith to believe that actually, you know, God would accomplish through me everything that he'd planned to accomplish through me. It was just as, as, as simple as that. And um, I think that what God has been showing me is that, is that when we discover what is right and begin pursuing it, the necessary people and resources come along. He was underlining that lesson for me as he sort of you know, took me by the hand and took me through this time and restored just uh, you know, a, a life which is so much more full and uh, energetic again for the next season of what he has for me. Lulu. Oh, no, I I wanted to read this. Come up, come up and join me. Can I just read this? Because I love this. This is just Paul's words. Um, Hard for me to stand up here without turning to the Bible. Um, But this is from the message. And I I love this. This is is the way that it's put there. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray. Help others. Be inventive in your hospitality. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Why don't we all stand? Let's just start by waiting upon the Lord because... He's here. Father, we welcome your presence. We invite your ministry, Lord. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for the things that you've already been speaking into our hearts and we say yes to you, Lord. We want to live your life in your way. We want to live this life that you've given us, Father. Within the bounds of your creation, Father. have a sort of had a sense I mentioned those who you know maybe were in the, the first half of, of life Archer was talking yesterday about finishing well and I just sort of felt something rising in my heart you know about those who have you know a lot of their life stretched out in front of them and I felt the Lord just really wanting to come along and implant something into your mind and your heart, give you a deposit about, you know, being, being better equipped, having some realization of, of just stepping through life in a way that is, is not battling in the same way, in ignorance. And I just want to pray, Lord, for, for any that just would fall into that category. Just ask, Lord, now as we stand here, that you would be placing that deposit of your wisdom into hearts, a sense of real hope that would overcome any hopelessness when that seeks to, to drive into lives. And that you would, you would just place that there, Lord, and cause cause a kind of your, your health to spring up now, a consideredness as, uh, as, as you look ahead at what God has for you in your life. I pray for a sensitivity, Lord, to your voice, to your wise voice speaking, to your counsel, that, Lord, that would be there, that you would unplug ears, Lord, that we might hear. We wouldn't be like that, that mule that le- needs to be you know, directed by a bit and a bridle. But Father, we would be responsive to you and to your, to your wisdom and to your ways and to these good things that are being given to us. Holy Spirit, we ask for more of your presence. In a sense, this is too deep and too profound for our little minds. So we're so dependent upon Him ministering to us. Yes, Lord. Come, Lord. Just open your hearts up to Him. 
Just pour out your hearts to God. Yeah. More, Lord. You know, for some of you, there's that kind of toying and rising dissatisfaction with some things in your life. You know, that's not, it's not a comfortable thing, but it's not altogether a bad thing at all. Father, I just want to pray for those that are sensing that, who are wrestling with stuff that has been going on, debilitating things that have been happening in life. Lord, would you just come alongside, give, give courage, give, give acceptance to look and to embrace that discomfort and that dissatisfaction. Another thing I felt the Lord was um, just putting on my heart was for the spouses of those who've been in deep depression or struggling. Uh, The other halves. That can be incredibly costly, particularly if we don't understand what's going on. And if the primary person doesn't understand what's going on, it can be incredibly costly. But God knows that. He wants to minister to you now. Can I ask now if... God has spoken to you something particular along the lines of the things that we've been sharing. If you'd like to make your way forward so we can pray more. And if this is interesting to you, but God isn't particularly sort of on your case at the moment, would you come and pray and minister to those who come forward? So come forward now if you would like us to pray further. Any? This is our chance to minister God's grace to each other. So we want to come right on down forward. We can spread out round the sides as well. Now would other of these, others of you come and pray now for these dear ones? Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for the provision that there is, Lord, as we learn and grow in this. Come, Lord. Hmm. Let's just particularly allow the Spirit of God to, to minister to people. We need some more people to pray here, please. Mm. 